here with that with that last tune. Has anyone ever seen The Amazing Race? Raise your hand. Okay. All right. So, Matt, you never seen it, buddy? Okay. You never seen The Amazing Race. All right. So, only a couple of us in the house today. Uh, that's okay. We'll be all right. We'll make do. I'll, I'll, I'll give enough background for you uh, here um, uh, today. So, um, this guy here, Phil Keegan, he's the host of the show, and he has a lot of, uh, of quotes, you know, that I'm going to share with you soon, but... Um, one of the ones he says at the very beginning is, the world is waiting for you. Travel safe. Go. And, and, and man, they're, and they're off and they're running. And, and uh, Sally and I like this particular show um, compared to others. There's not as much drama and all. They just kind of like, we like to see the challenges. We like to see, uh, see them race and do different things. And we always thought it would be fun if we did it uh, together. Uh, but The Amazing Race is a very popular reality TV show. Um, Believe it or not, I know only a couple people in here have seen it, but it debuted back in 2001. It has won 15 Emmys, which is pretty impressive, um, and has been nominated for an Emmy 74 times. All right, um, so that's that's pretty, that's, that's a lot. Um, and this is Phil Keegan, all right, and uh, like I said, he's he's the host. Um, and today, um, this is the second sermon of a series that we've entitled putting the real in reality TV, okay? And so two weeks ago, all right, we did one on Survivor. Do y'all remember the character that we compared, that, that we, could, we connected to Survivor? Anybody remember? Daniel. Daniel. That's right, Daniel. Daniel was uh, the ultimate Survivor. Well, today is Joseph. And I feel like Joseph was very much, his life was very much like a race. And sometimes he was in the, in the top. He was leading, the, leading, he was in the head of the pack. Sometimes he was in the middle. Sometimes he was in the back, of, you know, in last place. And so uh, I just felt like he, he would be a good uh, uh, connector to this show. And our main focus uh, through the whole series is that the ultimate reality is that there is a God we will answer to one day, and will we be ready? And today the focus statement is as follows. I think Ms. Ron is going to put it up there for us. We're going to put some, uh, a lot of Bible verses up today. Uh, so this is really long. Um, and so this is going to be a two-parter, all right? And so uh, we're going to do the minor, uh, par- the minor parallels today, and then we're going to do the first part, which is godly character today, and then next week we'll do the other three. But here's the, the, uh, the focus statement is while, while life, it's just say while life has its ups and downs, that was my mistake. Um, oh, no, while, that is right. While life's ups, ups and downs resemble an amazing race, we have an amazing God. Amen? We have an amazing God. Um, and and uh, who will lead us through it? And like Joseph, we will need godly character, make wise make wise choices, use our gifts, and have patience through it all. And we're going to look at those uh, those those four things. There will be our main points whenever we get to it. Today, we're going to look at the godly character uh, aspect of it. Um, and we'll eventually find ourselves in Genesis chapter 37. So if you want to go ahead and turn there, you can. But let me just give you a little bit of background uh, on on the Amazing Race. Um, it, it's a it's a reality television competition, and it typically involves eleven teams of two, okay, um, in a race around the world. Okay, and so the race cycle is divided into a number of legs, normally twelve legs, and each episode generally covers the events of of one leg, so eleven or twelve episodes. Um, and each leg ends in what they call a pit stop. If you know, if you ever anyone ever been to races growing up, 
I know this guy over here might have raced a, a couple of times uh, on the road um, illegally. <laughs> uh, Mr. Howe over there is like, I don't know about all that. Uh, but uh, I know my dad might have been a part of that. But anyway, I think Mr. Tommy might as well. But uh, I think some, some people know about, a lot about racing. But they call it a pit stop. It's kind of kind of cool. Uh, and that's where teams get a chance to rest and recover. And um, they normally get 12 hours to rest. And then they go again. Um, and the first team to arrive at a pit stop is often awarded a prize such as a trip, uh, while the last team is normally eliminated, okay? So you, you don't want to be last. You just, as long as you're not last, you're good. Now, there are some non-elimination um, legs, which Sally will tell you I don't like, okay? I, I'm a triplet, so I have a, the innate sense of fairness, and that's not fair to me, all right? If you were last, then you should be out, all right? It's just, and, 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 you know, I don't like it when somebody is last and they're out, and another team is last, and they get, then it was non-elimination. I'm like, come on, man. I mean, that's not fair, okay? But anyway, um, but, but they, they have those legs. Um, and sometimes when you are, when it's non-elimination, non they, they're penalized. Uh, they have to do an extra, extra thing the next time or whatever. Um, and then the final leg of each race is run by the last three remaining teams. It's the final episode. Uh, and the first, first to arrive at the final destination wins the show's prize, which is $1 million. Okay. Uh, the average length of each race is about 21 to 30 days, they said. Now, uh, for you people who kind of like the show, all right, these are some, I'll give you two or three facts that, that uh, I thought was interesting. Kind of like to do that too. Uh, it says, aside from, uh, from, let's say, a bathroom break, teammates must stay within 20 feet of each other at all times. 20 feet. That's not, I mean, what's, this is, can, is that from Candace or Tom, Mr. Tommy? Not about, about that far? They have got to stay that close because there's one cameraman assigned to them, and so they can't be splitting off. They got to stay together, uh, and so that's. I thought that was pretty interesting. Uh, they said 89 countries have been have been visited in the years. 89 different countries. That's pretty cool. Um, and then, um, just like the contestants, the host Phil Keegan that you saw a picture of, he's in a race of his own to get to the destination. So like we forget about him, he's got to get there too. And, uh, and they said that um, the host is also flying around the world with the other contestants, though he's doing so at a different pace through different flights. And the host admitted that getting to the checkpoints isn't always the easiest, especially due to unexpected airport delays. Um, now, he hasn't missed a checkpoint throughout his career. However, he does admit a lot of cases turn into a real close call. Like he barely got there in time. So I thought it was kind of interesting because he's always there. You know? uh, some quotes by Phil Keegan that are pretty popular. He'll say whenever they'll, they'll, they'll come and they'll just like a little mat when they meet, when they're done with that leg, and he'll, say, he'll tell them what number they are. You're team number one. All right, you're team number two. And he'll, a lot of times he'll, make, he'll kind of make it dramatic. He'll say, you're team number seven, if there's like eight teams left. And so like they, he, you're really trying, like they really want to know, were they eighth place or were they seventh place? Um, and then he'll say, I'm sorry, you've both been eliminated from the race. He'll say that whenever they're eliminated. Um, he said, he'll, he'll say stuff like, this is the pit stop for the race. The last time uh, to check in will be eliminated. Or he'll say maybe eliminated. And you know if he says that, you know it's going to be a non-elimination uh, leg. But anyway, um, and so those are just some of the, uh, of the common things. And again, uh, the, the quote that's on the screen is our main, is our main uh, point here. So let's go ahead and look at some minor parallels. And Ms. Ron is going to, going to have each one of these. There's five. Five minor parallels. This is, so before, this is like, I think Sally told me it was like a little sermon inside of a sermon uh, when we did the Survivor one. It's going to be similar, okay, but we're going to not try to cram everything into one, one week, okay? Uh, so that, that way we're not here until 2 o'clock. So, um, so we're going to do some minor parallels first, all right? And so the first one, 
is life is a race and we want to run it well. Okay, um, 2 Timothy 4 verse 7 says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And listen to those, those verbs there. I have fought, finished, and kept. And, and I mean, I just, as I was doing this, I was working on the sermon, like, you know, can we say that? Can we say that we fought, that, that we finished, and that we kept the faith? Spiritually speaking, right? Or were we on the sidelines? Just kind of letting other people do this whole church thing. And we just kind of went to church every Sunday. And, you know, we kind of sang our songs, didn't really care too much. And, or did we really get involved in our faith of, of, with Christ, our relationship with Jesus Christ, and we try to make an impact in the lives of others? Can we say that we literally fought? You know, that we fought, that, fought the faith, um, fought that good fight. Uh, have you guys ever heard of, and I wish Ethan was here because he would know this, and I think Sally might know. Uh, have you guys ever heard of Loser's Limp? Anyone ever heard of Loser's Limp? Okay. Mr. Tommy, you ever heard of that man? All right. So Loser's Limp is this. Your team is losing, and it's obvious that you're not going to win, and so you fake an injury to save, to save face. So we can so the fans look, oh, oh, poor Miss Jan. Oh, what's wrong with Miss Jan's turtle leg? All right, and so we can feel bad for that person because they don't want, they're humiliated, they're going to lose. So they, they, they do that. Guys, listen, I have seen it in all my years of coaching. I, I've, I've seen it on different teams. I've seen it in Hamlin County. I've seen it in other counties, all right? Uh, they just, you know, I saw it the other day in the game. All right? They say what they want, but they weren't really hurt. All right, they're getting beat. They didn't want to go to the end, so they, oh, I might hurt my leg a little bit, so I'm going to go down out like I'm hurt. Okay? Uh, and, and they didn't want to fight all the way tooth and nail to the end. And see, I've never understood that because maybe it's because I wasn't blessed with a, lot of, like, with a lot of size or, you know, incredible athletic ability or anything like that. Like, all I knew was to work hard, you know? So, like, I was, I was four foot nine in the eighth grade and played basketball and baseball. You know, I was I was five foot three in the ninth grade, so I was a I was a little dude. So the only thing I knew was to work hard, you know. And, and I can look back and I can remember my senior year of, of basketball. I only got to play one year of varsity uh, in basketball and baseball. Um, and and I can remember um, us losing to the eventual state champion that year, Jefferson, in the district tournament. And, uh, and and we lost by seven points, but it was I had a three point shot that rimmed out with about a minute left that would have tied it up. You know, and uh, and and but what I'm proud about that moment is when I when I thought back about it. And again, I know I get into sports and some of y'all I know sports, some of y'all like it, some of you don't. I apologize. You have a, a preacher who likes sports. OK, uh, I'm, that's, that's who I am. But what, what I'm really proud of in that moment is when I missed that heartbreaking three point shot, which I would watch on film. and have no idea how it went, how it did not go in. All right. Uh, that on the same play, as soon as they got the rebound, they tried to throw it long to the guy who was, sit, who was sticking me. But I went back and I sprinted back and I stole the ball. All right? and, then I, and then we went back up. And so I didn't let that moment, which was my last shot in high school, you know, I, didn't, I, I didn't quit. You know? Now we ended up losing the game, but um, how about you guys? Do, do, does, when, it get, when life gets tough, spiritually speaking, how's our faith? How strong is our faith? Do we have a, a wealth of of, of faith built up in us that we, can, that we can turn to. We know that I don't understand what's going on, but I still know that God is in control. Amen? That Jesus paid it all. all right? like, like we sang earlier. I hope you can say that. All right? um, number two is sometimes there are others that hinder, in our, that hinder us in our race. 
And, and I can't remember if I did. There's a sermon I've done before, before I even got here. Um, and I can't remember if I preached that sermon um, here or not. Um, but I talk about this in that one as well. Right? You guys know that people can hinder, your, hinder you in your spiritual race. Right? Um, Galatians 5 verse 7. Galatians 5 verse 7. You are running well. Who prevented you from being persuaded regarding the truth? In the ESV, it says, you are running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Who stopped you from living out your faith? Who stopped you? So the, the implication is there's people who will stop you, right? All right? Uh, that, that does happen. Have you ever had anyone, don't call any names. I don't think you have to. Uh, this is a great group of people here. But have you ever uh, had anyone who stepped in to try and help you but really did more harm than good? And then you didn't want to say anything to them because you felt bad? But you're like, ah. I just kind of wish you would have left that one alone. You know, I think I could have handled that one myself. You know what I mean? I see some smiles on the on faces, but I think you know what I'm talking about. Um, you know, I I can recall like literally telling youth youth at my youth group, like, you know, there'll be some pretty you know pretty little girl or something that started going to youth group or whatever, and they'll you know, and they she gave her life to Christ. And you had some of these older these older boys that were kind of you know, had their eye on her, you know, and I'm like, you know what? You need to leave her alone. Okay, you need to leave her alone right now, right? Because you're going to do more harm than good, spiritually speaking. Okay, don't get in, don't get in her in the way in God's way with her. Okay, uh, and you know it was kind of funny that at Miss Dolores's uh, thing last night, which was awesome by the way, I had a great time. Thank you, um, uh, Mr. Perez and I were talking about this. We we're talking about how uh, Mr. Ruben Perez. We we're talking about how you know we both have gone to camp uh, and, and different things with youth, with teenagers. And I was telling them how it would it would kind of bother me that we would go to like Impact, which was this youth event, you know, this football thing, um, and we would have worship, and you would have about ten of them on the, from your from your group, my group, that would kind of get side by side and look at their arms around each other, you know, and they'd be swaying. And, and you think if you if you're just looking, you'll think, oh, that's sweet. Look at that. And if you only cared about football, and man, I hate to say this, but if you only cared about that, you think, oh, man, they're really building team unity. But all I could think about was, why are you having your arms around each other right now? You, maybe somebody in that group of ten needs to not have anybody mess with them and needs to be focusing on what God is, tell, is, is speaking to them right now. You, you know what I mean? Like, I felt like, are you, are you helping or hurting? You know what I mean? Like, are we like, did that, did that person who may not have known Jesus Christ as their Savior, was that person like, oh, man, these people put their arms around me. Man, this is good. I guess this is it. Maybe this is all there is of Christianity. I'm just going to come right here, and I'm just going to sing a song. You know what I mean? Y'all see where I'm coming from? I know it sounds bad, but, I, you know, I didn't want to say anything to the people there because they love that, uh, that particular uh, you know, thing. But I, and they always thought it was cool when they did that, but I would always think, like, maybe we shouldn't do that right now. You know, don't get in the way. Don't hinder somebody. Even if you don't know, maybe you maybe they hindered them and didn't even know they were hindered. You know, and there are some people who know they're hindering. Okay, uh, and you have that as well. That's a whole no story. All right, um, and and then the third one, the third little minor parallel is to look at just race in general of life. Is this one? Sometimes it's our sin. Amen. What what's, what's it saying? He, Hebrews chapter twelve. And y'all, a lot of y'all are very familiar with that one. I bet some of y'all haven't memorized Hebrews chapter twelve. Verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight 
and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen? And so it says right there in Hebrews chapter 12 that we lay aside the sin that clings so closely. Because man, sin is right there, isn't it? When we want to do good, it's right. It's like Paul. I want to do good. I don't do good. Good. I don't. Want, I mean, the bad. I don't want to do. I do. You know. And so it's like it's right there. And so what? What's the? What's the kind of the remedy for that? Well, we're still sinful, and we're going to sin. But even in that that passage, they say, "What does Paul say?" Looking to Jesus, keeping our eyes on Jesus, and we remember what He did for us on the cross. All right, that, those are ways that, we, that, that help us as far as when we're tempted. In that temptation, we think, remember what Jesus did for me. I want to look to Jesus. And when our eyes are not looking at Jesus, just like somebody who's driving down the road and their eyes not on the road, what's going to happen? All right? And so, you know, keeping, the whole, uh, you know, keeping our eyes on Jesus, maybe look to Him and let us continue to do that even, even after we sin. Right, and, and I feel like that's, a, that's something, and, and I'm, in no way do I think I'm, you know, uh, I'm far from perfect, but I don't remember hearing preachers say that very often whenever I was growing up. You know, we, we hear the other part, and we hear, we hear what I just said, but what about when we do mess up, preacher? All right? And I feel like, man, we beat ourselves up. And yes, there should be conviction. And if there's not conviction, conviction you don't feel bad about that, you might want to question some stuff. Okay, all right. But but if there's that conviction, and you and you, Bible says if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So when we do that, go to God. God, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Okay, I do the same thing with my kids. I have to go back and apologize to them. You know, yesterday I got mad at at, 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 at peeling some apples. And Sally don't even know. I think Sally was in the shower, and I just got mad because I hadn't peeled all these apples, and there was already apples already peeled and cut up in the in a bag. You know. And so Daddy got mad that he was having to cut more. He was he was you know making apples. I said, "Nope, I'm done with this." You know, and I you know and I got mad and you know and uh, I had to go back later and had to apologize to my girls. You know, and said, "Guys, listen, Daddy didn't handle that very well. All right, will you forgive me?" All right, and we go to and when we mess up, we do the same thing. We go to God and we say, "God, uh, forgive me." So let us continue to remember that even when we sin. Um, we're, we're going through the gospel uh, Bible study on Wednesday nights, and, he, and he's mentioned that a few times, you know, and how God doesn't love us any less when we sin. Okay? He still loves us, all right? Or any more whenever we don't sin. I, I can, uh, the next one is, is number four, right? and that is, did you know that it is possible to run and not get tired spiritually? Okay. Um, guys, I, I, man, I wish Ethan was here today. Um, so y'all know uh, Ethan, you know, being paralyzed. And by the way, Miss Vester's doing uh, much better, much better. She's able to, able to walk some and just not very good, but she's working on it. Uh, Gabriel McLean was a former player of mine, and Gabriel's uh, also been going to treatment. Well, I saw a picture of him on Facebook this morning, and he was walking. And he, 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 he was walking a little bit, he, but he was going, he was trying. He was trying. The thing about Gabriel was, I love him, but Gabriel was, was tough. He was hard to deal with sometimes. And um, I thought that I was punishing him one time. True story. So um, he, he didn't come to trials. Okay? His senior year, he didn't come to trials. Now, my, my, my rule on trials was what, whatever, we, whatever we did that day in trials, if you missed it, you had to do twice of that. You had to do that times two. Okay? And y'all, you guys need to understand, 
that we did a lot in tryouts, okay? I mean, we would run a mile, um, at least one mile. Uh, we probably do about 300 push-ups. Uh, we ran stadiums. We probably did 15 stadiums, okay? And going up and down, up and down, probably five times is one stadium, okay? All right, in the football stadium. So we did a lot. And I remember Mr. Travis Glover, he's a, he's a friend of mine who lives in Madison County. He was a help me that year. And uh, he missed, he missed, he missed uh, trials. And I said, I said, look, during practice, I need you to go with, him, with Gabriel, and I need you to make sure he does his, his all, all the stuff he's got to do. I got a record of it. I had like a piece of paper, I had an index card. He's got to do this, okay? Got to do this before he can be on this team, all right? And so we, and we, he went out there, and like he would be done in no time every day. Like he did it in like two days. Like he would run two miles. Like it didn't even bother him. Never seen anybody like it. And then he would actually come with us at the end of practice and be playing with us. I'm like, how are you not like like dead right now? I don't understand. You know, but he could run and never get tired. It was unbelievable. Okay, he should have been a track star. I'm telling you, he should have just been a track guy because he could just run all day. And so listen to First Corinthians. Um, I'm sorry, listen to Isaiah 40, verse 31. And, and this is a very familiar passage. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. Amen. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And who are those people? Again, those who wait for the Lord. Waiting and putting their hope and their trust in the Lord. And the fifth minor parallel is run the race hard. Run it with discipline. Striving for holiness. Uh, Mr. Tommy and I, Shirley, we all talk about that Wednesday night. You know, that uh, you can rest in the fact that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. But you don't rest when it comes to sanctification. When it comes to holiness, you don't. You can't sit on the sidelines on that, right, brother? You got to work. That's something you work for. It's something that you 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 come to Sunday school for. You come to Wednesday night. You have your devotion time every day. You pray. You read your Bible. All right. That's something that that you have, that you grow in. All right. And so, just what my uh, beautiful uh, daughter Kaylin read this morning. You did a great job, by the way. First Corinthians nine twenty four through twenty seven. Listen to what Paul says. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. But I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Have, have you, you know people who just kind of want to do away with competition? Like, have you ever heard of the participation trophy? It's kind of a big deal now, you know. Uh, let's not have a winner or a loser. We don't make them, make them feel bad, brother. All right? And, and fool, don't don't. <laughs> I could preach a whole another sermon on that. Okay, uh, I, I didn't even want them to give my daughter a, a, a trophy you know, uh, for for participation. I don't see the point. All right, not everybody gets a trophy in life. Okay, um, and there is a winner, is a loser. All right, and it's just it, it's it's why do they keep score? I don't, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, and so uh, and I've been. I know there's like this movement to not even keep score and like tee ball and stuff. I'm like, oh, I mean, we're just spoiling them, like. Like you got, you got to have a winner. You got to have a loser. Um, and I don't know about you guys, but when I knew it didn't matter, I, I didn't play hard. Like I, I mean, like I, ah, whatever. Yeah. Sally, on the other hand, believe it or not, Sally is more competitive than I am. Okay, Sally. Yes, I love you, baby. Uh, we can be playing if we play some if we play a card game or or a board game. She is going to 
try her best to beat my butt, okay? Now, um, I just, I mean, I do want to win, but that is just not as important as, say, like a basketball game for me or, a, you know, a baseball game or whatever and, 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 uh, or fantasy football or something like that, I have to admit. But anyway, uh, but, yeah, I mean, we want to win. We want to play as if we want to win the prize. It says it right there. Um, run so that you may obtain it, okay? And don't run aimlessly and don't box like you're beating the air. Don't, like, shadow box. Like, really, what, what he means by that is you go into strict training. All right. There is a purpose, and you try, and you're going to do your best. You're going to train. You're going to practice, and you're going to you're going to do the best that you can. Um, and that's hard for in this day of age for people to understand that. Um, uh, and so, so now we've already had a little mini sermon. All right, within the sermon, let's go on to the main course that we're going to finish next week. And so, uh, Mr. Ron is going to put up again the, the 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 quote here. All right. While life's ups and downs resemble an amazing race. We have an amazing God who will lead us through it. Amen? All right. And like Joseph, we will need godly character, etc. So let's look at the godly character part of it. And this is one, for whatever reason, it's always been very, very important to me. You know, uh, to, to, you know character is very important. Again, Reuben and I yesterday at Mr. Lawrence's house talked about that as well. Uh, and, and I made the comment, like, it seems like these athletes nowadays don't understand the importance of just being a good person in the classroom. They don't... They don't see the value in that. And I don't think I've ever seen a, someone who wasn't good in a, in a classroom make a team really good. You know, they may be good individually. They might do, do some stuff on their own that's okay, that's pretty good. But I don't remember seeing in my 11 years coaching here where that team was very good. It was okay. But it wasn't a great team. But when I had a team of, great, of guys with great character, we had the potential to be a really great team. You know, and so character, character matters. And so if you're taking notes uh, today uh, and next week, I'm going to organize the notes in by the main, some of the main parts of the Amazing Race. Okay. All right. And so those who, those who uh, have watched Amazing Race, you will get this. If not, that's okay. All right. But the four points are going to be fast forward. Okay. A detour, roadblock, and a U-turn. Okay. We're going to look, we're going to go through that. Again, it's fast forward. Today, we're going to do fast forward. Next week, a detour, a roadblock, and a U-turn. All right, so I told you to go, go to Genesis 37, all right, and we're going to pick up there in just a moment. But in the TV show for an amazing race, a fast forward is a task that only one team may complete, allowing that team to skip all the other tasks and head straight to the next pit stop. Okay? Uh, teams may only claim one fast forward during the entire race. They only get to do that one time. But if they find a fast forward and they decide to do that, they can skip everything else, and they're definitely going to be in first place easily, okay? All right, and so uh, it's like a cheat code, okay? They do one task, they get rewarded by skipping all the others. So while I love the story of Joseph, Joseph is one of my favorite people in the Bible, okay? Um, it's hard not to, argue, not to agree with the idea that he was favored a little bit, okay? Right? He was favored. Um, he was his father's favorite child. So if you're with me uh, on Genesis chapter 37, and we're going to see uh, the, what I read today, you'll also see on the screen because Miss Rhonda is awesome. Um, and so uh, Genesis 37, verses 3 and 4, says, Now Israel loved Joseph more than his other sons. Okay, right there. Okay, uh, Because Joseph was a son born to him in his old age, right? and he made a robe of many colors for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, 
they hated him and could not bring themselves to speak peaceably to him. That's chapter 37, verses 3 and 4. And so you see a couple things there, right? Yeah, you see it right from the get-go. Um, it's kind of hard to explain something as a preacher. That's kind of obvious, right? It says it right there. Uh, Israel, which is Jacob, loved Joseph more than his other sons. It just comes out and says it. Okay? There's no, eh, I think he might be, I think he might be his favorite. No, no, he was his favorite. It says it. Okay? Um, and it's, he made a robe for him as well. Um, and, you know, and there's nothing really kind of, it, it seems to be obvious that the reason why he loved Joseph so much is because he was the firstborn son of Rachel. And if you know about Rachel, you can go back in Genesis 29, you can see the 14 years he spent trying for Rachel. Because when he saw Rachel, he was like, hey, I want her. Okay? And, and so seven years, yeah, yeah, you can have my daughter in seven years. Uh, Laban said, oh, hey, here we go, seven years, I'm going to trick you. It's, it's Leah. Wait, I thought it was Rachel. No, it was Leah. Hey, oh, you really want Rachel? Seven more years. All right. Laban's getting some, some good old, some good work around the farm, wasn't he there? Matt, I bet you'd like to have somebody work, work, work with you, help you out for 14 years. Uh, and so, so he loved, he loved Rachel, all right? And so he, therefore, he loved Joseph. Oh, man, Joseph was his favorite. Uh, and we can also see it here in the next verse, Genesis chapter 33, verses 1 and 2. It says, Now Jacob looked up and saw Esau coming toward him. This is when Jacob was going out to meet Esau. Uh, and so he divided the children among Leah, Rachel, and the two slave women. He put the slaves and her children first, and then Leah and her children next, and then Rachel and Joseph last. Because it was in the order of importance to him. Okay, all right. So another um, proof there, um, and, and also we we know about the robe back in Genesis chapter thirty-seven, the the robe or the coat of many colors, right? Um, and and what's interesting about that day, uh, about that is that in that time, um, everyone had a coat. Everyone had a coat, and the, these coats were used to keep warm, to carry stuff in, and even to serve as a security for a loan. Possibly, uh, most are reported to have been very plain and about knee length. Okay. But what was different about this one, they were just merely functional, by the way. Kind of functional. Uh, is that like a word, feng shui, something? Okay, no. All right, anyway, I was thinking of I was thinking of one of your shows that you used to watch. And, uh, in contrast, uh, the coat Jacob gave his, that gave his son was colorful. All right, so it wasn't plain. It was colorful, and it was ankle length instead of, instead of knee length. It was all the way to his ankles, and it was more in keeping with what royalty wore. It was beautiful. And again, given, uh, given to Joseph. And it also seems like uh, that he was kind of like a watcher of his brothers. It appears that maybe um, he didn't have to do the work that his brothers did. Uh, don't call any names, but y'all have any brothers and sisters that seem like they kind of got out of some work? I'm not going to call any of mine, but I kind of felt like there was one of my sisters that, you know, sometimes got the, got the easy way. And I'm like, why well, she don't have to do what I'm doing? You know, uh, but anyway, uh, look in Genesis chapter 37, second part of verse 2. All right. Um, and it's going to be on the screen. Joseph tended sheep with his brothers. The young man was working with his sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, his father's wives, and he brought a bad report about them to their father. He tattletailed on them. Right? Totally tattletailed on them. And it seemed like that was okay with Joseph. I mean, with, with Jacob. That, hey, and because if you look in the next one, 14a, said that Israel said to him, go and see how your young brothers and the flocks are doing and bring word back to me. Hey, go check them out, see if they're doing their work. Come back and tell them. Okay? And so he definitely, he definitely had some fast-forward element uh, to, to his life uh, there. Uh, and again, though, I do want to say, um, 
character is going to be tied to this. But some of it, it wasn't. On this part, it was, you know, he, he just kind of had a little bit of a fast forward, okay? He, 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 had, a, he had some favor here. Um, he's doing pretty well at this point, okay? Genesis chapter 37. And uh, he probably should not have said anything to his brothers about the dreams he had. Probably would have been better if he kind of kept that to himself, right? Uh, you know, he has these dreams, you know, and he, tell, he decides to tell his dreams to, uh, to, to his um, brothers, which he shouldn't have. And then uh, we, we see that Joseph is sold by his brothers, okay? And what I, again, and the details that I love to get lost in, uh, he was sold for the going rate of a mill slave, okay? All right, 20 pieces of silver was the going rate for a mill slave. Did his brothers think much of him? They didn't, did he? All right, then they come. They, now, this was after they were going to kill him. Oh, well, we don't want to kill him. We'll just sell him. At least he makes money off of him. Right? All right? Oh, we don't need much. He ain't really worth that much. We'll just get to what? Hey, how much does a slave go for? 20 pieces? Yeah, that sounds good. That's exactly what happened. He was sold for 20 pieces of silver. Okay? Uh, now, he's eventually taken to Egypt where an officer for Pharaoh named Potiphar bought him. And again, we see blessings on Joseph, kind of like a fast forward. Okay? But now this is tied to his character, okay? which, which we talked about earlier. So if you'll uh, read with me now, Genesis chapter 39, all right, as we're kind of going through the story, verses 2 through 6, and it's up on the screen as well, for, just for help if you want to look at it. All right, We're just trying something, that's all. You don't have to loot, use it. You can use your, use your, I mean, your paper Bible, it's fine with me. Okay, the Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man. Notice the very beginning, the Lord was with Joseph. Man, I want God want to be able to say that the Lord was with Patrick. Okay? The Lord was with Sally. The Lord was with Mr. Tom. Right? The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man, serving in the household of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made everything he did successful, Joseph found favor with his master and became his personal attendant. Potiphar also put him in charge of his household and placed all that he owned under his authority. From the time that he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house because of Joseph. The Lord's blessing was on all that he owned in his house and in his fields. He left all that he owned under Joseph's authority and he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate because he knew Joseph had it. Because Joseph was blessed by God. The Lord was with him. And what I gathered through this is that he must have been a man with godly character. Or else they wouldn't have trusted him. Right? Potiphar trusted him completely. Man, all that I have is yours. Okay? You, you know, I'm not going to worry about anything but what I eat. Because I know you got it. All right? What a great... To have somebody's help like that, somebody you can trust, is a, is a big deal. He obviously could be trusted. Uh, there was a, a commentary uh, um, who's, uh, that I read that said this. He was loved and hated, favored and abused, tempted and trusted exalted and abased yet at no point in the 110 year life of joseph did he ever seem to get his eyes off god or cease to trust him adversity did not harden his character prosperity did not ruin him he was the same in private as in public he was a truly great man what a great thing to be said about the character of joseph and then like as often happens in the race where sometimes you're in the lead and sometimes you're in last place life hits joseph hard again right Right? as he faced with temptation that he turns down. And we'll look at that next week. Okay? That, that's a teaser, as they say in the business, right? I don't know. All right, in the business of preaching, I don't know if that's really a business, but you know what I'm saying. Okay? Uh, only to be wrongfully accused and thrown in the jail anyway. Right? And we will talk more about that next year. I mean, ne- not next year, next week. 
All right? But basically, in Genesis chapter 39, Potiphar's wife tries to seduce him, but he resists and is thrown into prison. And then once again, he finds himself in front again, so to speak. All right? Look in Genesis 39, verses 21 through 23. All right? It's up on the screen. Thank you, Ms. Rhonda. But the Lord was with Joseph. Don't keep, I want you to keep saying that. The Lord was with Joseph. Amen? The Lord was with Joseph and extended kindness to them. He granted him favor with the prison warden. The warden put all the prisoners who were in the prison under Joseph's authority. And he was responsible for everything, everything that was done there. The warden did not bother with anything under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him, and the Lord made everything that he did successful. Wow. Man, pretty amazing. I don't know, I don't know how that works, guys. I'll just be honest with you. I know it's like a, like a house, like the, that, that, uh, the prison was like a little house nearby. All right? But I don't know how that works. But he was a prisoner, yet he was put in charge. I don't think we want to do. I don't think we want to make that a, a regular way of doing things in America, do we? Hey, <laughs> you're a good guy. I think I'm gonna put you in charge, Mr. Tommy's a prisoner. I knew you had to pick on you about that, Mr. Tommy. You're like a good guy. I'll make you. You're in charge of everything. Go ahead, have at it. Like I don't think we want to do that at, even at the local jail. I don't. I don't think when the prisoners want to be in charge. But this was a situation where a prisoner was put in charge. And once again, Joseph's story takes a turn as he has promised to be remembered after he interprets some dreams. I'm going to tell you about that next week. And they, free, and they came true. But then he hears nothing for two years. All right? Again, we're going to talk about that next week. He then interprets Pharaoh's dreams and rises to great power. So go with me now as we kind of get to the end here, guys. I promise. I'm sorry I'm a little bit past 12. All right, Genesis uh, 41, uh, verses 37 through 45. The next one. So the proposal pleased Pharaoh and all his servants. And he said to them, uh, can we find anyone like this? The proposal was, hey, can we find, find somebody who, who really knows what they're doing, who had, you know, who's very wise, and, and get him to tell you uh, th- this dream, okay? He said, can we find anyone like this, a man who has God's spirit in him? So Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one as discerning and wise as you are. Hey, you will be over my house, and all my people will obey your commands. Only I, as king, will be greater than you. He went from the prison to the second in command of the whole kingdom. Okay? Unbelievable. Um, Pharaoh also said to Joseph, See, I'm placing you over all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh removed his signet ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand, clothed him with fine linen garments, and placed a gold chain around his neck. He had Joseph ride in his second chariot, and servants called out before him, Make way! So he placed him over all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and no one will be able to raise his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt without your permission. Okay? Talking about Joseph. Pharaoh gave Joseph's name, Zaphenah, Paneah, and gave him a wife, Asenath, daughter of Potiphar, priest at On. And Joseph went throughout the land of Egypt. So as we kind of wrap up this, listen to some of the signs of Joseph's high status. And just let's brag on God for a second. Can we do that? All right, amen. All right, get an amen. The signet ring was the expression of Pharaoh's authority. So now Joseph had the authority. So once he wore the shackles of a prisoner, now he had the signet ring of Pharaoh. All right, look at the once and then, and then the after. Clothed in fine linen garments, once Joseph had the rags of a dungeon, now he had wonderful apparel, garments of fine linen. Gold chain around his neck. Uh, Joseph once had the chains of a slave, and now he was adorned with a gold chain. Y'all see what God can do? I think, you know, and, and connect your own life uh, to that before you were saved, and then what, what, how Jesus changed you. He had him riding the second chariot. So once Joseph walked as a slave, and now he traveled in style. 
Uh, amen. Without your consent, no, mo- no, one, no man may lift his hand or foot, he said. This again expresses the idea of authority. Joseph once could only obey orders. Now he could give them. All right. um, Pharaoh called Joseph's name Zaphaniah Panea, and Jewish legends say each letter of Joseph's Egyptian name meant something. This is kind of interesting. Linking them all together, these legends say the meaning of his Egyptian name was seer, redeemer, prophet, supporter, interpreter of dreams, clever, discreet, and wise. And also, uh, the Hebrew, they said it means God speaks and He lives. God speaks and He lives. Pretty interesting. So again, we see that Joseph's character helped him have some fast-forwards in life. And it just seems unusual that someone can rise to power so quickly. But I think that his character was the main thing. Charles Spurgeon said, Externally, it did not always appear that God was with him, for he did not always seem to be a prosperous man. But when you come to look into the inmost soul of this servant of God, you see his true likeness. He lived in communion with the Most High, and God blessed him. He lived in communion with the Most High, and God blessed him. May we strive to live with that same type of character. And as Christians, we should also most certainly strive to tell others about Christ, but we should also strive to live a life that brings Him glory, right? That brings Him honor. And we all know that, you know, a hypocrite, you know, people don't want to listen to them anyway. So how do we not be a hypocrite? Well, technically we all are. Right? But not, you know, I think uh, we can't have something to do with that, with the way we live our lives. So, you know, that person's real. I think I can trust what they say. Because they have a, they live a life of character. So today, as we stop in the middle of this sermon and ask Mr. Lord to come up, what is what is God speaking to you about today? Do do we run the race of life hard? I mean, do we do we really, or do we quit when things get tough on our faith and we want to blame God instead and we don't want to stick it out to the end? Maybe have some losers limp in our Christian faith. I don't know. Renew your strength. The Bible says. Hope in Him. He'll renew our strength. Mount up on wings of eagles. Hope in the Lord today. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that go, hopefully you have one that goes beyond just meeting here a couple times a week. Right? That you're not, you know, that you're actually living it every day. Live a life of character today. And um, you remember um, when they said last week or two weeks ago about Daniel. Remember what they said about Daniel when they when they were trying to, all all his enemies and they were trying to trap him. And what they said about him? Said the only way we're going to catch him is that it has something to do with his God. We can't say anything about his character. Can't say anything about it. You know, it makes me think of last year, last Christmas when we did the "It's a Wonderful Life" thing. All right, George Bailey. George Bailey was in front of the in front of the board. You know, and they t- and, and he's like, you know, and 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 uh, the old mean guy Potter says, well, you know, you know, Mr. Bailey, Henry Bailey was not. He wasn't a businessman. We all know that. You know, and of course George stood up and he was like, you know, listen, man, right, he might not have been a businessman, but no one here can say anything about his character. Right? Can that be said about you today? Right? As uh, we sing. So.